WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to The Sci-Files, an Impact 89 FM series focusing on student research here at Michigan State University. We're your co-hosts Chelsea Boudou and Daniel Puentes. And we're back with another episode of The Sci-Files. Today we're talking to Brent Vomert. He studies heart disease. In particular, he's growing many human hearts from stem cells. Brett, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you tell us more about your work with these mini human hearts? Hi, Chelsea. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited about the field that I'm working in. It's pretty groundbreaking. It's pretty new and it's moving really quickly. Essentially, what I do is I work with stem cells and I use them to create mini human hearts in the lab. There are many other labs that use similar techniques with stem cells, and they grow different types of organs, such as brains and livers and lungs, etc. But with the heart, this is a very new field. A lot of the things that we're doing haven't been done before, and I'm really excited to talk to you about it today. Thanks for joining us today, Brett. When it comes to these mini human hearts... How does one even grow one in the first place? So essentially, we start with stem cells and we collect them into a small ball. And then we provide the stem cells with similar conditions that they would experience if it was an embryo. But we're able to target specifically the conditions that create the heart. So really, we are just providing the stem cells with various nutrients and growth factors, which are small molecules that can help to really guide the stem cells in the right direction. So it's been a while since we've spoken about stem cells. How do you guide them in the right direction so that they become a heart instead of a liver? We have learned a lot about the processes that can guide stem cells into one organ type or the other. And this process is called cell differentiation, which basically just means a process that turns a stem cell into a more specified cell. Stem cells at their core have the ability to become any cell type in the body. And so by taking advantage of differentiation, we can specifically target the heart by focusing on very specific pathways which we activate or inactivate using various chemicals. It always amazes me how we're able to influence the direction of these cells to transform into these different organoids. However, wouldn't it be easier to study regular hearts rather than these lab-grown mini-hearts? What is the benefit here? First, I want to define what an organoid is. So an organoid essentially means a small version of an organ, and it means that it's a very simplified model of an organ. And the benefit of studying organoids and growing many hearts, there's actually many benefits. And one of the main benefits is that organoids provide us the opportunity to study human organs in the lab at a level of detail that has never been done before. 
typically researchers use animal models or sometimes very simplistic cell models to perform their research, to discover new drugs, and to study diseases. However, all of these systems have significant limitations. For animals, obviously they're not human, and a lot of results that one may get, whether that's the efficiency of a drug to work or to cure a cancer, or even specific processes that they can reveal with diseases, they don't always translate to humans. So a lot of times our findings with animal models or cell models, they aren't actually applicable to us as humans. And in fact, over 90% of drugs that are developed that use animal models, they fail in clinical trials because they induce very deadly heart diseases. So with all these things combined, this makes it even more necessary to use more advanced and modern systems to study diseases and to study drug development. And on top of this, there are a lot of ethical concerns when it comes to using human samples of organs to study the progression of a disease or to study the development of drugs. So in this way, there is a high demand for creating and utilizing elegant and easy to use and create lab-based systems of the heart and for other organs. Yeah, I bet it's cheaper and just easier to be able to grow a bunch of little hearts versus trying to do a bunch of paperwork to get one heart. You mentioned there are so many things that you can do with these little organoids. For example, drug discovery, investigating diseases, and so much more. What are you particularly doing with these organoids? My research with the organoids focuses on optimizing the method and the generation of the heart organoids through maturating the heart organoids themselves. Prior to my work, the heart organoids were at a very immature stage and they were representative of the heart of an embryo. However, my work aims to accelerate the growth of the heart organoids such that they represent hearts that are more like a fetus or perhaps one day more like an adult heart. So really my work focuses on making the heart organoids more usable for studying more complex diseases and to facilitate a more robust discovery process for drugs that can cure or mitigate the effects of heart disease. It's really incredible that you're able to study these kinds of diseases with the organoids. Could you talk about what is the hardest part about growing these organoids? Is it getting them started or keeping them viable for whenever you're doing studies in the laboratory? I think the hardest part about the organoids is the fact that it's a very new field and that the field as a whole is very ripe for discovery. A lot of the methods that we're utilizing are brand new and no one in the field has done them before or has thought to do them before. So probably the hardest part about this research is the problem solving and coming up with new ways to investigate the phenomena that we are observing. With the heart organoids, 
they're very fascinating to work with because you can see them visibly beating underneath the microscope. And it gives you a newfound sense of purpose as a researcher that the work that you're doing is tangible and having a direct effect on the field. And I think that that's something that is really unique to the field of organoids. It's very challenging, but it's also very rewarding. So this reminds me of congenital heart diseases. So when a baby is born with some sort of heart problem, Are you investigating a specific congenital disease or are you looking at a specific factor like if the mother is not intaking a certain vitamin? Those are both things that could be done, but in my case, I am looking at the effects of a specific drug that many pregnant women take during pregnancy. And I'm not at liberty to disclose what this drug is at the moment, but recent data has suggested that this drug may cause a higher number of congenital heart defects than previously believed. So in this case, it's more of an induced congenital heart defect rather than a genetic congenital heart defect. But you are certainly correct that one could also study the effects of the absence of some sort of molecule or even an excess of some certain compound, such as was the case in our previously published paper where we investigated the effects of increased levels of sugar and insulin for diabetic mothers. Usually whenever a baby is born with a congenital heart defect, That defect didn't just happen as soon as they were born. It's happening while they're developing in the mother's uterus. I would imagine when you're growing these organoids, you would start from the embryo and then work your way up. How do you make sure that you're actually getting all these stages in the embryonic development and how do you measure what's going on? Yes, the stages of heart development are very important to consider when it comes to organoids. We use various checkpoints to guide the method and to guide the growth of the organoids. When the organoids are very early on and very underdeveloped, they are more or less a sphere and they have many internal chambers. And while they are organized, there's a lot of chaos still happening. However, after applying my methods that I've developed, the organoids develop an atrium and a ventricle-like structure, which provides much more similarity to the human heart structure than has ever been achieved before. And we can measure this by using a method called immunostaining, where we can visualize the localization of this atrium-like structure and this ventricular-like structure. Once you've had an opportunity to look and study these organoids in great detail, what does the future look like for when it comes to growing these organoids and studying how they continue to evolve? I think there's two main avenues of progression when it comes to organoids as a whole and the heart organoids that I'm helping to develop. Firstly, as I mentioned, I'm doing research on the effects of a drug on heart development. 
this study and similar studies could be taken further to a clinical trial in which a counter drug or a countermeasure to mitigate the effects of some disease or congenital heart defect could be ameliorated by either using organoids themselves in the clinical trial or by other means that can take the work that was done with the organoids to the next level. And secondly, the field of organoids is still very much in its infancy. There have been great strides that have been made over the past decade, and the field is only going to continue to advance at an exponential rate. And I think that the work that's being done in my lab represents a step forward in the creation of fully synthetic human hearts. Right now, heart organoids are limited because they don't possess functional blood vessels inside, and that limits their growth. However, future studies will incorporate functional blood vessels and other cell types that will further increase the complexity of the heart and may even allow us to grow human hearts in a dish and transplant them into people who need them. Well, Brett, this is really exciting, and I'm looking forward to reading the paper that you'll soon be publishing. Thank you so much for being on The Sci-Files. Thanks, Chelsea. It was an honor to be here. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. To hear more about us and learn more about our episodes, check out scifiles.org. If you're a current MSU student that would like to be interviewed, please reach out to us at scifiles at impact89fm.org. We'll catch you next week on the Sci-Files, and remember, the truth is in the science.